welcome back to the Nullify Tech channel here on YouTube, where I've got the TNT takes for you on Survivor 44, Episode 5. That's right, I'm back. I'm your host, Chris, and with me is my co-host, Jake, as always. And we're joined by a very special guest for the very first time here on this channel. Uh, I'm sure you may have heard of him. His name is Peridium. Uh, I believe maybe, Peridium, you're the top content creator on YouTube now for Survivor. Like, I'm almost 150,000 subs uh almost uh yeah no for sure i think so um yeah been doing it for five years so uh it's been thank you for having me just want to say that before anything else before we start talking about anything else just thank you for the invite i, I was I'm, I'm always happy to talk survivor and so i'm excited to sit down and talk and hearing that you're down in new zealand which is like the, the most beautiful place i've ever been to i'm, I'm kind of jealous i wish i was there <laughs> but uh you know what like let's let's talk survivor and get you to uh, 150,000 subs as well We'll get you up Yeah, here. well, I appreciate. <laughs> I really appreciate that. We're, we're the new kids on the block with the channel here. But, um, you know, we always love hearing different perspectives. And obviously, having you on the show, someone that has been talking about Survivor for the last five years, you're clearly very passionate. You put a lot of videos out there. Your latest video, which is the hidden winner of Survivor, was quite interesting. I actually watched it today. Mm. Um, what do you think of the new age, Peridium, of Survivor? You know, Jeff came out, I think, last week and said that there isn't such a thing as a winner's edit. Do yeah. you buy it? that the winners edit have never existed because clearly they're trying to hide the winner a lot more from us these days yeah so that's that video is sort of the uh true can i like to do this true contenders which is like trying to predict the winner uh in the first few episodes as opposed to like preseason where we have nothing really to work with um and so this one that that video was very much more edit based i usually don't talk about the editing very much because it's not very fun and it's not very sexy and exciting and mm. the producers hate it so I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do that. But I, I'm like, you know, honestly, a lot of my analysis for Survivor is based on the editing, and I just don't like to say it. So I try to find nice ways to put it without saying the word edit, the four-letter curse word. Uh, and Jeff's saying, I did listen to his On Fire podcast. I've caught up now. I've listened to all five. Um, and yeah, he said the winner is that it doesn't exist. And I think he just doesn't fully know what we're talking about, or at least what I talk about when I talk about the winner's edit. Because for me, it's like the winner's edit is a nebulous concept that the the winner is edited as the winner. And there mm. are definitely like, uh, there are definitely commonalities between all the winners in the history of the show, as we've seen where there are communities that literally dedicate all their time and energy and Survivor to getting to the bottom of the editing. And mm. I don't know if the, the, just because people aren't aware of what it's like it's like uh, it's like unconscious bias or whatever you're not aware it's mm -hmm. there but you're it's still there there's something going on in the background i kind of feel like that's what it is with the winners edit the producers may not be aware that they're editing this way or that way but after enough time like jeff said uh in the latest or a couple of them a couple of podcasts ago that they don't really cast based on archetype but i'm like in the new era and I'm like, mm. I don't know about that. I kind of beg to differ on that. I could still mm. put a lot of these people on Survivor 44 into boxes if I really looked deep enough into why they were cast. I kind of yeah. feel like I take a little bit of what Jeff says with a grain of salt. He's, I know the, the editors too have said they don't fully buy into the winner's edit and all that, but um, I just think it's more like they're not fully aware of what, what the people, the fans are talking about, so. 
It's pattern recognition, right? Because if you've watched the show for 40 yeah. plus seasons, you see certain patterns with certain players that when they show us maybe a little bit of their backstory for us to care about them as an individual, we see sometimes a lot of their perspective and the way that they think and move in the game strategically, why they did a certain thing. I mean, I kind of picked up on someone this week that I thought for the, for the first time, I was like, maybe there's something there, you know? And, and I... You know, for me personally, I love to make bold claims. I love to throw out winners. Um, I've been wrong horribly for the last three seasons of Survivor US. I've been getting it right for Australian Survivor for about two seasons in a row. I think I I didn't really know where it was going to go this latest Australian Survivor season. And Survivor South Africa is impossible to predict because they like to blindside you similar to Survivor US when it comes to the winners sometimes. But at the end of it, it's a good whodunit mystery because it does make sense when you go back and look at it again. Uh, right. Jake, I want to welcome you to the podcast as well. How are you doing? I'm doing good, but Chris, you got to give us more credit. We were the only ones who were saying, hey, maybe Gabler. Gabler yeah. We were on to Gabler. You, we were the were, you were the Gabler truthers? We were. Yes. We were. <laughs> yeah. We were in the, wow. in the in the pond with the, the, the unicorns the of time. the... Damn, yeah. okay. I, I was totally out on Gabler. We, we I wouldn't say we, we were, were starting start. to we yeah, yeah the, go ahead. The pre-merge, the pre-merge, we were very low on him, and we thought yeah. he was the goofy character, the one that was gonna. We even thought he could potentially quit the game at one point because he was struggling so much with. I thought lack. that too. Yeah, exactly. So they threw me yeah. off. But then about two or three episodes into the merge, that's when we started. <laughs> about it's like ah, oh, some, there's something here about gabler like i don't it's know what weird they're... little scenes that you're just like why did they put that in there like what was the point of that if he doesn't win doesn't or win. like at least like make a big move or something i think Jesse the, felt too obvious Jesse felt the, way too he obvious. did feel too obvious the one thing i would look at when i go back and i remember this remembering looking at like who's gonna win this season it's got to be jesse it's so obviously jesse mm. i can i was convinced it was jesse going into the finale the one scene that I remember from 43 was when Jesse is outlining how to blindside somebody and he's got like on screen, like bullet points, like he's got mm. a PowerPoint presentation on the island. And then it ends the scene before they go to tribal council with Gabler undercutting all of it. Yeah. Mm. And I was mm. like, it was so weird. Gabler goes up to Carla or something and is like, uh, so Jesse's kind of too big of a threat, isn't he? And they're like, we'll have to, we'll put a pin in that. And I was like, that was so random. I'm like, oh, looking back, I'm like, oh, okay, that's what, okay. So this is leading yeah. to the eventual downfall of Je Okay. It just yeah. reminded me a lot of, it kind of reminded me of Tommy, weirdly. Obviously, they're oh, interesting. extremely different. But just like, they would, like, Gabler is this huge character, and he, they presented him like that in the pre-merge, but then in the, afterwards, they were Everybody getting kind of boring. Him. What everybody wanted to work with him after the like after the merge, yeah. people were like, "Oh, we know where Gabler stands. He had one yeah. enemy in the game. He voted them out. Now everybody wanted to go to to Gabler and say, "Hey, bring bring Gabler into the vote because he's someone we can rely on." Because it was a complete one eighty from what we saw in the pre merge, and I was like, yeah. "The editors are having fun with us here. They could be hiding him in plain sight." Yeah, is there, and is is the winner of this season hidden in plain sight? I, I don't. It's too early to tell. I really okay. feel like it's too early to tell. But but I. Definitely when we get into it, I want to talk about a specific person and I found the Tika tribe to be very interesting. So we'll get into it. But I want to say hello to a few people here in the live. Uh, Christian Gal saying hello to TNT and Peridium all the way from Canada. We've got Andre Lee here in the live. Jay, welcome as well. Um, the myth, the man, the legend. It's Peridium. That is right. <laughs> and we've got Chris. Winners edit is dead because I was positive Jesse was going to win last season. Yeah, a lot uh. of people were fooled. <laughs> So I think um, that's that's a they're they're trying to keep us on our toes for sure. But I don't think it's dead. I do think that they. I still don't think it's ever died. No, 
They do need to tell the story. The winner's edit cannot die. It just simply, it's like science. It's like, it's not dead. It just evolves. And we are just catching Mm. up to speed with the reality. Mm. That's or the it. new the new way of doing a winner's edit right. competing. Yeah, like exactly. maybe the rules of the edic that we knew before does not apply to the new age of Survivor. And I guarantee you that Survivor is slow to change what they do because if you look at how people are gaming the game right now by having these challenges in their backyard, 3D mm. printing puzzles and things like that, it shows that they're not very quick to adapt when it comes to the way that they do the game. And then maybe... I don't want to put a challenge out there for Jeff because he is trying a lot these days. He is throwing a lot of things in there, Peridium. <laughs> yeah, did you hear? Maybe if we see Fall on Your Sword Advantage come in next season or the next two seasons, this was on the podcast. He was really taken by this idea of like this advantage called Fall on Your Sword. And it's like, uh, I don't know how it's going to work, but it's it's got the makings of what I think an advantage like Jeff would, would want to introduce, which is like, you have to like sacrifice something to like get something heroic after. I, I don't know what that's going to look like. This so is Angelina, a concept. Angelina giving up immunity for rice. I mean, maybe you have to give up two immunity challenges to uh, get an extra, I don't know, something. Steal your Jeez. vote. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. I want to talk a little bit about this episode, episode five. We start off on the Tikka tribe. We know that this big move was just made against Sarah. Uh, Carolyn did the completely correct thing in changing her vote because she was at the bottom by the looks of it within the three original Tikas. And if there was a vote going to come her way, she was going to go home. But Peridium, Yam Yam is really offended by this. What did you think of the scene? And um, more specifically, did you feel like Yam Yam had a case and you know, and being upset with Carolyn? Because she did the right thing. She saved her own butt in the game at this stage. Yeah, I, I thought it was a good move for Carolyn. After last week's episode, I walked out of that tribal council and into uh, this one thinking... Um, you know, Carolyn's got an idol. The fact that she didn't have to play it is great. She she would have been a waste. Uh, she was able to basically, she doesn't know 100% what Josh is going to do in that vote with Sarah and Jam Jam. She doesn't know. And, you know, throwing a vote on somebody like Josh when he's probably going to save himself. Okay, but what if he puts the vote on you? In the case of Sarah, she didn't play a fake idol, which looking back, okay, we know it wasn't a real idol. So she was gone either way. Probably should have played it. Um, very ballsy of her not to, but also at the same time, like Carolyn f- doesn't vote for the obvious target because I guess Josh is going to play an idol. He's going to be safe. Now Carolyn might not go home because she's put a vote on Sarah. So even if Josh has voted for Carolyn, now there possibly is a 1-1 tie. You never know what's going on. Uh, I thought it was a good move. Also, unfortunately, we opened the episode, Jam Jam's like, why didn't you just fill me in? I would have gone with you but it's like i mean you were throwing her as the decoy and there's a debate like we don't know how much is what exactly the relationship is but clearly carolyn felt like it was enough that she didn't want to tell him because it might have blown in her face and honestly what is that quote by tom westman like make your move tonight and apologies tomorrow like that's exactly what you do you make your move and then you come back from camp still in the game and that's when you apologize you say sorry jam jam Mm -hmm. By the end of the episode, guess what? They're on good terms. They're ready to roll, and uh, they're in a good spot. So, yeah. I liked I liked it from Carolyn. Um, I also liked it from Jam Jam. He's allowed to be annoyed, and you know he's got the whole blindside face, fantastic face. Love the shocked. I did, I wasn't sure which I bought it because I'm like it's not often we get like a woo blindside face reaction, but Jam Jam gave us a great like 
great thumbnail for the future <laughs> yeah yeah we so. had a player in this latest australian survivor season that had the jam jam reactions to a lot of things going on in the Is game simon simon yes i watched so. I, I watched australian survivor it's good all oh, right oh, yeah, well, good. future for the future we'll we'll get you in on a australian survivor podcast at some stage as well um get you uh, dabbling a bit in the international show but yeah mm -hmm. i think that it was interesting for me jake that i kind of felt and i don't know if you felt the same way and we're going to do the non-sexy thing here we're going to talk about the edit a little bit but you know i felt like we were getting a lot from yam yams case like it was kind of like they wanted us to get behind yam yam and feeling mm -hmm. annoyed when i was thinking to myself you don't really have a leg to stand on here i i actually didn't I, I didn't feel that way but now that you mention it i can see it because i mean he was yeah i think it's pretty obvious i mean you're throwing out her name you don't want that like this has happened so many times where people flip because they feel disposable by their alliance so i don't yeah i think it is interesting that they were trying to give some sort of justification for yam yam yeah. to be upset when and the way my really brain works yeah. The way my brain works is why are they getting us behind Yam Yam? Why do we need mm. to understand Yam Yam's struggle at this stage? Why should we care? Why should we care about Yam Yam being betrayed at this point? It, you know, if, if for nothing else, that Yam Yam is going to be a big part of the season and the mm. Carolyn Yam Yam frenemy relationship is going to continue on to the merge. And obviously we know how this episode ends up, but, you know, it did leave Tika in such an interesting spot because Josh played his idol, but he knew he wasn't safe. So, he ended up making a fake idol here to try and force their hand in regards to where they should vote for this next one. And um, a lot of things went wrong for Josh in the spot, Peridium, but you can't blame the guy for trying. Uh, no, absolutely not. And I appreciate the fact that he's trying to make a fake idol and not being handed it on a silver platter. Um, <laughs> yes. Just goes to show you, like, Jeff, people will still make fake idols. You don't need to uh, make them themselves. And I, I prefer what Josh is trying to do because not only is it funnier, but it also shows he's thinking outside the box. He's, he's trying to do it himself. And, you know, back in season 17, maybe this would have worked, but uh, it's season 44 now. And um, we get, we ha we're a little past the beads strung together from the tree mail. Uh, as we saw with uh, Jam Jam and Carolyn just sitting there laughing and their heads off, op almost openly in front of him. And he's actually was openly. He, Jam Jam's carrying it up and it's like it's it's falling apart in his hands. And he's like, and Josh is getting annoyed at him. Uh, it's again living in my head, Renfrey. It's one of the funniest moments I've seen in Modern Survivor in a long time. This this episode really um, blindsided me in the sense that we got this backstory from Josh. We we understood where he was coming from. We saw suddenly a lot more visibility from him. Now, traditionally, that would tell you he's going. Like, he's probably the next person out, Jake. Um, but it ends up not being him going home. But we get this scene between Josh and Yam Yam early on here bonding over their shared experience. Now, um, I know both of us probably can't relate to what they had to go through, but it is always beautiful to see um, people connect on these commonalities that they've got in life out there. And it looked for a, a second there, like maybe this Yam Yam-Josh alliance could happen. Yeah, you know, I thought it was interesting that I was thinking when I saw that Josh went over to that tribe, I was like, he, he could fit in. You know, he could have a chance to bond a bit with, with them, but it just didn't work out. And so it was interesting to see now that they both are definitely, like, on different sides. That's when they actually started bonding, not right when he joined the tribe. So, okay, I mean, I guess better late than never, but they were about to vote him out. So, yeah, well, you, yeah. you, you 
you've got to wonder, like, I feel like Josh was doing really good work. He was working really hard. Yes, he's done a lot of wrong things as well, lying about his profession when he's already said, you know, he has to be good with his hands in his profession. Um, <laughs> and they're clearly catching on to him. Even his original Soka tribe said that sometimes he seemed too sneaky, too shut out. Like, he doesn't really connect with them on an emotional level. And that is all things you need to do really well as a survivor player. But the person who really sunk Josh's game this episode, Pridium, was none other than Danny. When they went to this journey on the island and we had Danny and Brandon just yep. connecting and being bros, which Carolyn did not appreciate. Yeah, they. Uh, I do always wonder, like, what is it? What's the disconnect? How are they this oblivious? Like, this yeah. is, uh, I, I love the foreshadowing where they're talking about the tattoos. I think it's foreshadowing, at least, with Brandon and he's got the Achilles tattoo. And I'm like, this scene feels like their Achilles heel almost mm. and it's like why would they highlight he's got all these tattoos but they highlight the one where he's talking about his achilles and i thought that's pretty clever i like that i like that a lot and um, i was like why carolyn has a bunch of tattoos too why don't you talk to her about that you i just, thought that was very interesting and she shared the story on twitter i was reading her reply about it and i was like oh that's really interesting that should i wish i had made the edit about why she's mm. got this sleeve tattoo with the sunflower and all that but yeah. uh Again, one of my favorite scenes. Uh, I will say, like, right now, if you had had me on the podcast last week, it would have been a little bit more doom and gloom than this week. I really liked this. This was a complete 180 for me with the season. Uh, not the season overall, but from week to week, like, my mood will fluctuate if the episode's good or bad, but, like, when it comes to talking about the show. So I'm always thankful when I have a good episode I get to come on the podcast because this episode was giving me a lot of what I love about Survivor. It was there was strategy there was these funny moments lots of funny moments uh we sort of got to hear from pretty much everyone there's a couple of blank spots here and there um and again like this wasn't idols and advantage infested it was this weird un unusual but kind of harkening back to the old days where they get just a random reward and it's like yes. almost like they had a reward challenge without a reward challenge which i'm okay with like i, I don't need multiple this is challenges better. This yeah. is better than on Ghost Island when they would, it would just say, no game for, for today. Well, like, what am I doing there. then? Like, why are they yeah. watching? Like, why do we like, need to see this? This is so much better because, yeah, it actually gives them a chance to talk and, uh, in this case, blow up their games because they yeah. are completely... You know, it's funny because people always say, and I actually kind of agree that, like, you know, we, we shouldn't be casting all super fans. We should be casting, you know, some recruits because it you don't want everybody to be like doing this like meta game where they like know all these little mm. intricacies, you know, but this goes to show Danny and Brandon are big fans. They can still make really obvious mistakes. And yeah, it's, like all, it's all like social faux pas. And like, you yeah. know, even if they were trying to be including, including Carolyn and we just didn't see that it still gave enough of Carolyn was telling us in private that she felt mm -hmm. this way. And there's yeah, a reason yeah. she there's a reason she felt that way. She's they weren't stringing those confessionals together out of nothing. Like she right. was rubbed the wrong way by them for some reason. Yeah. And and we saw probably a lot of that. So I feel like I feel like the editor did a really good job in showing us that they were ignoring her for the majority of the conversation. They mm. were kind of looking at her as someone that wasn't going to make it to the merge. And I feel like she felt they thought she was not going to get there. And that's mm -hmm. never a good thing when you make it that obvious. Uh, I think the great Survivor players understand that every single person in the game is important. Even those that may look like they're on the outs, they could be the most important person because you can get them in on a vote. And, you know, Carolyn said at the beginning of this episode that Josh is his smart move. And I called it last week. I said, 
she probably needs to jump ship to Josh and hope that there is some sort of an alliance with Soka because the Tika tribe has been decimated at this point. So she could be a very valuable number for Danny and Brandon to bring in. Yes, she's yeah. maybe not one of the meat boys, but you need the vote. You you need all the votes you can get because as soon as they go to the merge, they're fearful for a very obvious reason, Peridium, because a lot of the times the alpha male challenge dominating type of guy, that is normally the merge boot and they normally go pretty early on after the merge. Yeah. What are the odds that they get called the meat tray? <laughs> Probably, I heard them say meat brigade, did they? Or is that something I did. else? Yeah, it was yeah, like meat, meat brigade. I thought, oh, they were this close to meat brigade 2.0, um, which isn't a great thing anyway. You don't really want to be comparing yourself to meat. Like, you know, it's uh, meat shield, meat shielding and, yeah. and brigading people and on a, yeah. on a tray. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought this was definitely a weak point for them. And it's weird. They loop in Josh, but the way that they said it was like, maybe Josh in front of Carolyn. So I'm like, that's odd because then Carolyn could run back to Josh and be like, they said maybe you, but they're not 100%. I don't know why. Um, so I would think like you would, you'd want to establish, and I think Carolyn has such a great perspective here. She's like, I'm not looking for targets. I'm looking for allies. When you go to the merge, you need to get numbers. The best players generally realize it doesn't really matter. Like it's anybody but you, but also like plan for the future as well. And so taking people out is important, but that's gonna happen regardless. But what isn't gonna happen is like, you're not always gonna set yourself up to make sure you're not the next boot or the next boot. So you gotta find allies at the merge. They're looking at it like, we need to have a bunch of hit, we need to have a hit list and just take these people out. Who's our hit list? And then we'll form an alliance around who's not on our hit list. And she's like, I want it the other way around. Give me allies, give me people that I can work with. And you guys are like, basically like i'm gonna be your goat take you to the final to go to the final three and you'll beat me <laughs> like okay no thank you like not happening like sorry yeah, I was... she's, she's too much of a super fan to know better you know the crazy thing with carolyn is the first episode in i was like no don't like her she's all over the place she's too much for me and then from the second episode onwards she has just grown and grown on me every single episode and now Dare I say, Jake, if she doesn't win the season and she gets deep in it, she could be the fallen angel because she is bringing all the excitement. She's bringing all the strategy. Like she said, she's already gone and planted a fake idol. She's already found the birdcage idol. She's doing things that people don't see and they're underestimating her so much at this stage in the game that I think she's the superstar of the season. She could be a new age legend of Survivor. This, this is Carolyn's season. At the so moment. Hopefully, I would love it if it stayed that way. Hmm. I think it will. I mean, as long as she's still in the game, I don't see a reason why it wouldn't because it's extremely obvious to me the editors love her, and why wouldn't they? I mean, I think she's just just gold. Like, they don't even have to, like, find – you know, we think of, like, some boring winners like Tommy. They have to, like, sift through all these monotonous <laughs> confessionals. Ugh. I guess this one's the most charismatic, you know, <laughs> with Carolyn, they're just like, just do any of them. Just put all of them in there. You know, it, it's, well, it's, it's sort of like, uh, is this, is this turning into like the George of it all? You know, like we're left with 35 <laughs> confessionals of Liz and whoever. And it's like, all right, I guess we'll throw them a bone. Yeah. You know? I guess <laughs> I mean, we'll let them say something. On, I mean, on that listen. note, on that note, um, <laughs> Carolyn has had 30 confessionals okay. so far this season. And Yam Yam's had 31. So That's they are. Awesome. Hey. And uh, for me, for some other reason, I, when I look at Yam Yam, he's a big personality, but he seems quite tame and normal in comparison to Carolyn. Like, I feel like yeah. Carolyn's really been dominating. 
I think he just get, we get a lot of his thoughts on like all kinds of random stuff. They kind of just insert him. He gets like a like a five second quip yeah. of a confessional and it counts. So that's sort of like what I get. Yeah, from we can't vote out the trees. Right. Like <laughs> they should have. They. I'm surprised that they didn't split them up at the beginning of the game to like. Okay, uh, uh, clearly Yam Yam is like really entertaining. Carolyn's really entertaining. Let's split them up. Let's make each tribe be have like one entertaining person. There was one moment when Carolyn came back from the uh, No Name Island, whatever you know you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, where Josh every time he would turn his back, she would look at at Jam Jam and go. For anyone that's just listening, I'm just like showing that she's just like making weird faces <laughs> towards them, showing like, we're good, we're good. And it's funny because then Yam Yam immediately is like, now that's the Carolyn I know. We're back yeah. on track. And it's so funny because I was just watching um, this like survivor compilation or something on YouTube because I was just bored. And there was one, it was a, a clip from Edge of Extinction where Kelly Wentworth is sitting at camp and Julia randomly turns to her and is and does the exact same thing as carolyn is just like we're good we're good making these weird faces at her and then that's what tips kelly off that something's wrong Mm. because (laughs) and it's just so funny that like carolyn it just goes to show how important it is to like get to know these people Mm. in your tribe because you will actually know Okay, that's a good sign. What, what, how they're acting right now? Mm-hmm. Because, and and if this is anybody else, you'd be. This would be a red flag. I just yeah. want to say the thing about Carolyn, and I do want to read some some of the lives after this because we've had so many great comments come in. Um, the thing about Carolyn that gets me is that even though she is all over the place, she's got this crazy persona about her, you know, and she seems like she would be very sporadic. She is actually, when it comes to making decisions, she's making very solid decisions in the game, and I think people. Um, yep are finding it hard to read her in some ways. And the fact that Yam Yam puts so much pressure on her here to say, did you get an advantage? Do you have an idol? And she still does not spill the beans. I've got so much respect for that because I've been saying for a very long time, if you get an advantage, don't tell anyone if you don't have to. Like if you're at the bottom, if you're at the bottom and you absolutely have to throw a Hail Mary and you've got to use it as a tool to leverage, fine. But in her position, there's no benefit for her. You could have argued maybe that would have brought Yam Yam in, but the counter could happen and Yam Yam could be like, now I do need to blindside her. So I feel like it's better for him not to know. And I'm very impressed that she's keeping that away. I do want to bring up a couple of the lives here. Um, Let's have a look at a few of the comments here. Christian Gale saying Danny and Brandon in a bromance. Who would have seen that coming? Um, We've got Flynn Master saying that actually... At, at the very least, the winners edit uh, in the pre-merge doesn't matter as much for the new era. 100% agree with that um, in some ways. Then also, we had someone here saying that, and I forgot who said that comment, but someone said that the dynamic between Josh and also the rest of the two Tikas are just amazing to watch because he's this calm persona where they're both over-the-top big characters. And I have to say, I don't like non-elimination episodes. I'm very much against it. But this Mm. episode, I didn't mind it because I wasn't ready to see Josh go yet. Because I actually do like Josh as a character. I want to see him make it to the merge. Because Peridium, there's so many great storylines that is going to follow him into the merge. Because he still thinks he's very solid with Soka when we know Soka was willing to cut him before the merge. Yeah, they did say, uh, I had to refresh myself because I was like trying to map out who is who was in the hottest water going into the merge coming up and i was like where does josh stand with soka and i had to refresh and it was 
uh, they were saying right before the swap happened that Josh was actually the next boot and it was a solid four against him. It was going to be Matt, Franny, Heidi, and Danny against him. So yeah. that's not great for him. I, I don't know what we're going to see with him coming up in this next episode, but I agree. I'm, I'm happy. I don't like non-elimination episodes either. Um, and of course, that's a shout out to Australian Survivor. I don't love it. I understand why it has to happen. I'm glad it doesn't happen on a, on a US Survivor. I don't I wish we could get like 90 minute episodes that still led to elimination in US Survivor because I feel like sometimes it feels too fast. But yes. in the case of this, it's weird, but the, the medical evacuation episodes tend to be kind of okay for me. Like we end up it, cutting out tribal council eliminates kind of some of my least favorite parts of Survivor, which I find them a bit repetitive and it's all just being very political and just wishy washy it's just you don't get much juice out of it whereas the confessionals it's, just all theater. This, it's all theater and i'm like i don't really need to see jeff i hate if he's watching i hate to say it but like jeff's yeah. over the topness and his weird uh analogies and metaphors are he's become the gargoyle yeah which i just i threw into a thumbnail yesterday and you're gonna see it at some point jeff gar gargoyle jeff is coming out yeah. i don't need it it's not what makes me want to watch the show. So. I'm totally with you. I'm right. Totally so for me, you. I'm like, actually, I was looking at the time last night. And, like, and I just want to say, I just want to say, yeah, it hurts it. me. It hurts me to say this about Jeff because I love Jeff. I mean, I, grew I like up the passion. Jeff. I love the passion. Yeah. If you listen yeah. to his podcast, you cannot question that he thinks what he's doing is right. It's just at some point, I just want him to take a step back and look at it from a sense of like, I am a host. And I need to act like a host in certain, in certain places where if you watch some of the international survivors like JLP on Australian Survivor, I think at the moment as a host, he's doing a better job, you know, because Jeff mm -hmm. has become more than the host. So maybe it is time for Jeff to, I don't know, it's, it's, it's very hard. Does he need to take that step into becoming more of the producer, get someone else to be the host, not to go over it? But I feel like Jeff, and this is a question I have for you, Pradeep, I've got this theory. That if Jeff ever retires, he's going to retire the show with him because Jeff believes he is Survivor. And that to me would be a shame because I think the concept of Survivor should be bigger than Jeff. I don't know if he'll have, will he have that power? And how can we take that away from him <laughs> is the yeah. question. Because it's yeah, scary, I agree. right? You don't, yeah, that's a scary thought. And I never really thought that he would take it down with him if he left. But I do think there's a, that's definitely a possibility. I do think he has a big enough uh, ego to uh to want to do that and feel like this is his child he's been doing this for 40 something seasons 50 something seasons uh you know he's gonna go down with the ship or whatever but mm. i don't want that to happen it doesn't need to happen it could go no. on we can i want to see a survivor 100 or whatever like it's basically a sport in a way and it's repetitive it, it gets repetitive repeated every single season and mm -hmm. As we've seen with all, with the australian survivor south african survivor like these hosts are great they do a good job um uh, like you don't have to be Jeff Probst. You can do it your own way and mm -hmm. the show will keep going. So yeah. I hope that doesn't happen. I don't know. I've never, never heard anything like that. Him taking it down. It's always like who would replace him. Mm. I would hope he doesn't do that. Cause I feel like, you know, he's, he's so involved in every aspect of it now. And I don't, and again, this is just me. I don't want to start a rumor online. <laughs> you know, be like, oh, Jeff's taking the show down, but it's just, I feel like if he doesn't have a great succession plan in place right now, like how many seasons oh, no. does Jeff still have? Like if Jeff suddenly removes himself within the next 
five years or 10 years on the show, which is probably the pocket and what he would still continue to do the show in. If he removes himself, like who is the next in line to be a host? Do we have somebody? Do we have people that would be able to, from a logistical standpoint, do everything that he does as the showrunner from a production side of it? I don't know if he's got those people lined up and if he's got them trained. He probably would be annoyed by us just talking about him retiring. But I kind of feel like he might just say, oh, that's it. I'm done. You know, we've done this. The show's been awesome for the time it was on. And I really hope he doesn't. Like this is a plea to Jeff if he ever listens to this. Please make sure that there is succession planning. Please make sure that so, we continue with Survivor. It sounds like we need to get some of the biggest names to come together and usurp and create a new concept just the same as Survivor, but just not call it Survivor. We'll call it something else. But it plays out exactly the same, brings in all the same viewers. It comes on right after the end of Jeff taking the ship with him. I'm, I'm basically looking at it like it's uh, season four of Succession. Mm. So... Did you watch yeah. Succession? Have you seen it? I, I've seen the first two seasons. I haven't okay. seen up to that point, so I need to. Okay, I need well. to catch up. But yeah, they've that, only that, that that one, only one episode right now into season four. Great show. And if we're talking about uh, the word Succession here with Jeff, um, don't Logan Roy it. There are better ways to go down than that. So anyway. <laughs> there you go. So for those that have watched Succession up until the latest season, you'll you'll probably get that reference. But yeah, again, like I said, you know. Um, I'm a little bit worried about it. I want to talk a little bit about mm. some of the comments that are coming in as well. So Jay saying, or oh, what if Carolyn is the earn the merge boot or any early merge boot cause at this mm. point, she's got 30 confessionals. I don't second think so. only to Yam Yam. No. I mean, if you look at the last three seasons, that's not, she's not the kind of player who, again, we're just working off of like history and we could easily be wrong. I, I said mm. with confidence, I didn't think Gilder was going to win. So <laughs> the hell do we know? But uh, I just feel like she's, she's helmed too much. She's put in too much of a spot right now. And also just strategically, I don't feel like she's set up to be the person who would take the fall. There's so many other players that they would they would target. The Earn the Merge Boot is usually somebody like who's somewhat in the picture, but not in the, they're not a main character. You know, we saw Sydney, uh, Lydia, like they're there and they have a spot in the, in the hierarchy, but they're not prominent enough. Uh, mm -hmm. Who was last season? Ellie, Ellie uh, was actually Ellie. a bigger one. She was probably the biggest of the three earned the merge. But and she was the she yeah. was the dragon that Gabler had to slay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There you so go. So maybe I, I think it's, maybe it's going to be Josh that I think Carolyn it's Josh. has to slay Josh. Like Heidi, yeah. Josh, maybe Kane. I don't know. I hope not Kane, but we'll talk yeah, about. Yeah, I hope not either. I really I like, like Kane. Kane a lot. Yeah, Chris yeah. saying um, I'm glad they put Yam Yam and Carolyn on the same tribe. Carolyn would have been the first boot on any other tribe because they wouldn't value her. Yam Yam understands her. It seems they're so, rigging yeah, it for her. They've rigged it. You know, this conspiracy theorist will come And like out. Ellie was a bit of a main character. I agree with Jay, but she was more of like a main antagonist in the in the show. She was an undermined for like four Definitely. straight episodes. For four straight episodes, yeah. we were basically watching Carolyn get outplayed, and then it came came to a. a burning halt uh, at the earn the merge so and i yeah. do think we're getting earn the merge too because i was looking at the next time on and they don't have any buffs so i'm like all right this is yep. definitely something something like that yeah Jay's saying make yeah. make rob sister nino the next host how can you um not say peridium <laughs> like peridium i don't would know you if you say I yes do it. <laughs> I, would i say yes to hosting guy i don't even know what that looks like that's a long <laughs> that's a huge question i mean yeah. if it means to keep survivor going i would i would fall on my sword for it you know yeah. but i don't know for sure <laughs> if it means i have to live half half the year in fiji i guess i'll do it yes. i mean it sounds you know, horrible living in fiji for half the yeah. year you know horrible oh, gosh <laughs> I've, does, I've, doesn't, I've, doesn't I, jeff have a house there he does, does he? he does 
Yeah. Well, well, is he living in Boston Robin Sanders' uh, shack they built in the trees? <laughs> living in a statue. <laughs> now we know the real reason why they got Boston Robin Sandra out there slave yeah. labor to build a house for Jeff to live on uh, in the island. But what, what if he they... lives in Boston Rob's head, his giant, giant head? You know, what if that's actually a house in there? We never saw the interior. Yeah, it could it could be. We we don't know. I, I'd love to know if it's still out there. But I feel like if they ever move away from Fiji, they need to preserve all of those things. Like for instance, the Boston Rob head, the Sandra head, the the town, the whole town that they build for production. Mm. You know, apparently they they like pave new roads to this town and build a whole town just for survival like production. A theme like, park. That should be a theme park if they ever move away from Fiji. I feel like fans like you and I, we would pay to go and visit and see the behind the scenes of production i think would be uh, I mean, a very smart i have fiji looked i have looked into it how, how expensive it is to fly to fiji it's pretty pricey at least mm. from the east coast in the u.s so I, yeah if they can if they can you know uh, pay for the uh, flight over i'll definitely come over and buy a ticket to uh, survivor land yeah yeah I, I i don't know i'm just putting it out there for for people from fiji if they wanted to make some extra cash if the survivor ever decided to move on because at this stage it doesn't look like they would do that i do want to go to ratu i do want to talk a little bit about ratu because we spoke ah, yes. heavily about tika so far um my heart was broken for matthew this episode he was also somebody that i really enjoyed this season and just seeing the amount of passion he had for the show he trained for so long for so hard it was heartbreaking to see the scenes that he had here with fellow fans and both kane and carson um, about the injury that he had and the pain that he was in um, i peridium had hope that he could somehow sneak towards the end like a tyson and just continue on yeah, you know, uh, he was, I felt like, gosh, this guy's so out in front. Um, I wonder why. And I, I did start to worry, like, with the rep showing his shoulder every other episode, I thought, is this going to be a medevac? Is this really where we're mm -hmm. going? They put so much time and effort into this guy's story. And uh, they showed a lot of that scene, you know, with him falling. That was a big deal. It was, I mean, that was the thing I remember the most from the end of 43 was this random dude falling off a rock. Uh, and uh, it puts a whole new meaning to getting rocked out of Survivor, that's for sure. But um, I felt bad, you know, and it's it's tough to reconcile. Like, he must have been in a lot of pain because he, he clearly wanted to be there really bad, maybe more than anyone I've seen in a long time. This guy mm -hmm. really, he trained to be on the show. Uh, he's been a super fan applying or something for like eight years or whatever. Um, and then to just like get foiled, hoisted almost by your own petard, as they say, he, uh, he kind of is so over adventurous that it comes back to bite him in the butt. I want to say he was looking for crabs on that rock originally. And I was like, was he thinking there might be crabs on the top of the rock maybe? Cause people are like giving him a hard time. And I'm like, is there a way to make sense of this? Or is it really like, dude, you just, what were you doing? Like, come on, dude, why are you climbing the rock? Yeah. I just, I just think personally he he's he kind of reminds me in some ways of myself like i'm an adventurous person like if i go to a holiday place like I, I would be that guy that would go climb the trees i would be like you know exploring and i think that was just he by nature he's someone that loves to explore and live life to the fullest i mean we didn't give cody crap for climbing up a rock and jumping into the water in the previous season so clearly he's not the only one that did it it's just it was an unfortunate accident um mm -hmm. i think that if he was to come back and play the game again which i think he's a lock i think both him and bruce i wouldn't be surprised to see them on the same season because we know bruce will come back um I do think that, you know, he's going to be a lot more careful. We saw it with Nina this season. She injured herself in a challenge in Australian Survivor, got medivac. She came back. She was a lot more scared or um, reluctant to do certain challenges this season and sort of spoke about that injury a few times on the season as well. So I think Matthew yeah. will be a lot more careful if he does come back in a future season. But, Jake, 
you know, Matthew was your number one pick for the season. He was your winner pick for the season, you know, and you lose him in your draft. It must be a double blow for you coming into this week. Man, I was, I was really, really sad because once the conversation with him and the doctors and Jeff ended and we went back to, to Tika, I was like, okay, he's, he's, he's making past this episode at least. And then here comes Jeff on a boat. It's always bad news. Jeff on a boat. Uh, and very anticlimactic ending to a really good episode, but yeah, I, yeah. Above all, I'm just you know really sad for him. You know, as somebody that that wants to be on the show one day. You know, I can't imagine like be, you being the pretty much the only reason why it's 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 his fault. You know, he's only going to blame himself. You know, that's that sucks. It just sucks. I mean, yeah. there are definitely worse ways to go, but it's uh, it's unfortunate. And I, I guess yeah. it is technically a quit. He did technically quit the game at the end of the day, which is a little yeah. strange. Jeff did say on his podcast he doesn't consider it a quit. He said it's not a quit to him. I'm like, well, okay, but technically it is. And go to the yeah. Survivor Wiki. But you know, hey, Jeff, <laughs> it is. It's whatever. However, Jeff wants to uh, interpret it. It works for me. So I, I don't personally I personally. I feel like this was very unfortunate what happened to him, and I don't see it as a quit. Person, like it is a quit, I guess. Yeah. But it's for medical reasons. It's like there was. It's like Dana in he... uh, the Philippines. It's like yeah. you're in such a rough state. I don't blame him for tapping out. He's still got like two and a half weeks of this thing, yeah. and his arm is in the most pain it's been in nine days. Like, I and he's not I, eating. Yeah. Like that was a good point that they brought up. Like he's not getting proper nutrition. Your body needs nutrition to be able to heal whatever it's going through. So I felt mm. like it was just a series of unfortunate events yeah. at the same time. And clearly, I mean, he was he was in pain. The guy was in tears being out there having to decide if he wants to play a game one of the more interesting things for me is i thought about it after the episode did he have enough time to go back to camp jake and potentially hand that idol to someone else in the game like do we think matthew's idol is still in the game i so i actually i know from reading an interview that yeah Matt, i thought this matthew was answered. said matthew said he did not give anybody an idol yeah. he could he could be lying I don't know why mm, he would. Not the first time. But, you know, Dwight never told us that that Jesse that he gave the idol to Jesse, but he also never said that he didn't explicitly. Or, didn't Matthew so, say that he didn't give it to anyone? He said explicitly. He said he said explicitly. I did. Okay. I think I, he probably did the idol. I agree, but, you know, it's fun to speculate. Maybe he gave it to Carson or Kane or somebody. He did yeah. say, though, like, if, if he were to have, he would have given it to probably Kane. I think he said Kane or Carson. Oh, that's a I, I thought, yeah, he had a really good connection with both Kane and Carson based yeah. on this episode and both of them being there to support him, which was interesting because we saw early on he connected with Brandon, but it seems like that relationship kind of fractured after he we didn't really back Brandon on the di- first vote. the dynamics on that tribe. We really don't. On, on like, Ratu? Yeah, like... Yeah, we don't. I'm sort of left in the dark with a lot of them. Like, according to... Um, which is not to, good for the merge. Yeah. Not good for them at the merge. According to Matthew, uh, from what I read, uh, Brandon and Lauren are really close. Mm-hmm. And Maddie said the same thing after she was voted out in episode one. Like, yeah, Brandon and, and Lauren are really close. That's why I wanted Brandon out so I could be closer to Lauren. And so it's like we haven't seen those two interact at all. So that's a little weird. Um, you know, probably says something about how well they're going to do in the game. Um, I wonder but, if we're going to get like a two-sided merge where we're going to have two possible sides 
because I was sort of trying to size up if we get like a Danny Brandon. I think Lauren would go with Brandon based on what I've heard. Mm, yeah. Lauren, I honestly don't know where she stands in Ratu. I've heard no. from both Maddie and now Matthew saying she is with Brandon and Brandon's with her. So I'm like, well, if that's the case, I would imagine they would probably work in with Danny. Is Danny close mm -hmm. with Heidi? I don't mm. know. I feel like there would be a 2 2 on, on Ahsoka with Danny, Heidi, Franny, Matt. Heidi is close to Franny. Danny and Matt in the middle. I was just going to say it. I've got a feeling the way it's going to play out is that Franny and Matt will become the Kingmakers. And you I think feel so? like oh. I feel like it. I, I see it working this way because like John and Jacqueline. Yeah, because remember Matt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you remember like Matt was outed by Danny for this fake idol that he found which is definitely still in the back of his head like can mm. i really trust this guy if he wanted to work with me he would have talked to me um you know in a way where it wouldn't have been obvious to everyone that i've got an idol on me so i feel like both of them being the the two nerdy type of players on that specific tribe they're gonna sort of gravitate more towards the carsons the canes mm. the yam yams and the carolyns like i can kind of see because at the end of the day that is still survivor it is who do you want to play with? Who do you get along with more than anything else? So I can see that happening. I wanted to bring up Flynn Master's comment here because I was thinking in my head, like, can they do like a Philippines season again with some of the medivac players come back and be captains? And I couldn't remember who the third recent medivac would have been, but they mentioned Pat, Bruce, and Matthew as a potential three captains coming back in a future season. I don't know if we will see that, but um, Pat mm. left for medical reasons. I feel like he wasn't the healthiest maybe when he was out there. I don't know if how if he, you know, he's, he's older now. I don't know in what condition he would be in now to be able to go there. I felt like it was, wasn't it like high blood pressure or something with his heart when he was out there that wasn't good? Uh, Jake, you're, you're muted. It was with his back. Um, there we go. He, uh, when they yes. came back from the first challenge on the boat. So yeah. I think, I remember a lot of people were saying like, you know, totally not his fault like you know he should be given a second chance he didn't even you know get to play more than like two days um because totally out of, of out of his control but also we kind of hear now jeff is saying we're not going to bring back anybody pre-41 i think he actually walked that back oh really yeah okay. there was some interview he did recent like before 43 or around 43 where he actually said We'll see. Like it's, yeah, he gets overzealous with some of his comments. Okay. Well, that's good news because you know, I know we all want to see like Angelina, Christian, basically David um, versus Goliath again. <laughs> we just want to see David versus Goliath part two. Yeah. There's so yes. many great players from that season. It'd be a travesty if they didn't uh, get an opportunity to come back. I was fuming when I heard that he wasn't going to go back to players before season forty because I was like, what do you mean the greatest era of Survivor pre forty? You're not going to bring back some great players that we've not seen come back. <laughs> Um, Chris says here, poor Jamie is still left in the game with a fake idol that Matthew gave her. She's going to be so confused because she thinks she's got two idols. Plus, oh, when man. the bros meet up, some information gets shared that b gives both Jamie and Carson spot away because they both have idols and they now know that Josh has played an idol that you received on this trip. So it's going to be interesting to see if that plays out in the next episode. What? Do we have one more? Uh, I feel like we have one more round before the merge, right? No. I, oh, well, we have the, well, the merge. The, yeah. They're going to do something wonky with this 12, the 12 going in, but they're definitely all on the same beach. And they're like the, the idols, the uh, idols that were given to the swap players, I think are out of the game now. I think those are, those are done. They were going to last for this episode, I guess. But then I don't know. I just thought that was a little, yeah, I didn't, lo I I didn't, I didn't said, love those idols. <laughs> by the way, yeah. Last week. Yeah. I remember it said uh, specifically when all players are living on the same beach, 
uh, mm. these idols expire. So it's right. going to be it's going to be Un unless week. they do something, you know, and they're going to like split them into like two groups of six. Mm. And then they're like, you're not all living on the same beach. You're on different beaches, six and six. They're going to pull a Thai, so Thailand, going to pull Thailand where it's like, I didn't I'll specifically let... say. Yeah. Right. Well, the note said, yeah. it said all, all on the same beach, but you're all, yeah. you're still on different beaches. Uh, uh, uh. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of hope they go back, give us a 12 person merge vote. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with the wonky mechanics. Where does Jamie fit into any of this? Like we see yeah. this episode, she's throwing matt under the bus to franny it's like throwing yes. it's like throwing boston rob under the bus to amber um <laughs> but the funny thing is she's been on the tribe for a couple of days now you would think she would have gotten the memo she's still playing it like she's in episode one a little like she just hit the beach with this new tribe and she doesn't really know the social dynamics and but it's Viridium, you don't get it you don't get it she's <laughs> awesome why would people not want to work with her she's so awesome <laughs> She has a real idol. I mean, you know, why not? Who who wouldn't? Uh, her and Matt can work together with their two fake idols that they don't know are fake, and Matt has no vote. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't uh, know. Jamie Jamie seems lost in this game a little bit. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. She kind of reminds me of Jamie from Survivor China in a way, which is why I think of it. She's got a fake idol at she the merge. Idol, yeah. She doesn't have any allies, but she thinks she's got a potential like path and. We're going to find out pretty quickly. She could easily be the earn the merge boot. She's, I could see her being earned. Yeah, earned she's too. only been to one tribal council and she freaked out <laughs> when she was. She did, not... she, did, she did get a crack, though. She did get the. Uh, oh, she, six. Yeah, she, she was able to, you know, skillfully grab the right piece of paper um, out of a bag. Um, Oh, no, I, I, think, yeah, she's, I think the moment's going to yeah. play out. I think the moment's going to play out where she tries to play that fake idol. They're finally going to get it. And the funny thing is it's going to be non-production led because I've got a massive issue with production planting fake idols in the game. Um, don't love I spoke it. about it. I don't love it at all. Like <laughs> I, I think I think production is doing again, like I said, you know, when I say production, probably Jeff more so is doing too much. Like he's trying to mm. throw so many we can have one or two new advantages introduced each season, and I wouldn't care as long as there's like a, a, a sort of controlled manner in which we do it like i feel like um there was a comment made here earlier by someone saying that the new age of survivor players are not that great so literally like a lot of these new era players suck i don't know if it's necessarily the players that suck or if it is production not allowing the players to play the game because to me the game has become a bit of a carnival game if you do so many different things if the rules of going on the journey continues to change within the same mm. season there is no way to play within the rules of that season so it becomes a game of luck you just have to hope you jump on the boat at the right time to go there um yeah. just giving people advantages where they and end up like Drea with so many different advantages doesn't guarantee that we're going to see a big tv moment because she ended up well i guess you could say her being voted out with the most advantages probably in the history of the show is a big tv moment but I feel like the players themselves are like hamsters on a hamster wheel that Jeff Probst is just spinning really fast. So they didn't even get mm. time to really think about the game or be strategic. And that's also one of the reasons why Peridium, I know a lot of people have said they want George to go over and play the US show. I don't think George would be like, again, George, I don't want to underestimate him. He's a great player. He's a great strategist. Right. But would he be as effective on Survivor US with all these different twists and things happening consistently? Mm. Because I feel like he is at his most effective when he's got time to put strategy in place. And if the game isn't necessarily being changed on him every single round. I mean, I think he would be effective in the fact that he's very strategic and tactical. Mm. And at the end of the day, um, 
tactics can usually reign supreme and it seems like he has a decent social game from what we've seen uh he's able to manipulate people to do his bidding uh and it makes it feel like it's their bidding and so when whether they have something or not i guess it comes down to do they play their advantage correctly against him then he might get screwed over and if there's a ton of advantages it could lead to george getting screwed over um you know look at the australian survivor talk for a second but you know they could have easily gotten him out if they had played their two idols correctly at that one vote where i think uh sam went home i think yes. george would have gone and it's like they just got there's a lot of luck to that like they but there was there was some skill as to who targeted who and why and george to have a part in that um also you know the the competition's a little bit different because if you look at george's oh no I think we might have just lost Prudium there for a second. We'll see if he comes back. And it was like at the most interesting part as well. I know. <laughs> I was like hanging on every single word that he was saying at that point um, when he talked about George. But we'll we'll see if he comes back in a second yeah. here to talk about that. Um, I guess the other part I wanted to talk about a little bit here while we're still covering this episode is breathing with Danny. We finally get him a little bit of a scene in the beginning uh, of him working with his tribe. He seems to be, in my mind, the person who's going to be the ringleader of that side of the Alliance. And we see yeah. a lot of that coming into this episode as well. So we got you back. Do you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Weird. I don't know what happened. My camera was still uh, going and I could hear you guys perfectly. Oh, really? Okay, well, uh, we yeah. just we just lost you as you were yeah, I was talking about George. About George. Yeah. Uh, I was just saying that when you look at George's both of his games that he's played, he did, he did happen to play with, I would say, a lot of pawns. And I do mm. wonder if you're playing with people who are like super fans of the game and they know a yes. lot about it, like he's not going to find the Mats and the Jerry's and the Kara's of the world out on American Survivor, which yeah. might prove That's a little criticism. bit. That's my criticism. That, yeah. that was my criticism of this season because everybody's saying like I'm a I am the biggest George fan. I was a massive George fan coming yeah, into I, I this like season. Yeah, I like him too. I like him yeah. too. Yeah, but you've got to look at it critically and say what competition did he have? Because yeah. the two biggest players to come back this season was probably Shawnee and Haley, and they both wanted to work with him. Um, yes, he outplayed them. Definitely, he played better than them in the sense that he had his pawns ready. But like you said, I would much prefer to see a season with a bunch of people that all want to win the game. Yeah. Then see only one player that dominate over all of them. You know, that, that to me is not as entertaining. And I think that if he did play the US show, that would be his biggest challenge. But I also don't want to see George come back unless it is for a crossover season where we get the best from Australia, the best from the US, and maybe even throw the best from South Africa in there. They've got some pretty good I, characters. I feel like Australian well. Survivor would be more interested in doing that than uh, US, which I'd be totally fine with because I, like I feel like Australian Survivor is um, is sort of giving us like what Survivor US was 20 seasons ago a little mm. bit more as opposed to now where I don't know if Australian Survivor will end up where the US is at if they go another... I don't know, two thirds of the length that the US has gone. So I would like to see, like, it's going gather... to happen, Brilliant. It's going to happen. You know why? Because I've had a coffee <laughs> and a lunch with Leroux Buita from Survivors of Africa, uh, the sure. executive producer. And he has said, if Australia doesn't do it, I'm going to do it. Like, at some I, point, I, li it's I like happen. to hear that. Yeah, I like I've, So I've, he's definitely, he's the biggest I've fan. He to wants his, to um, his, his interviews and conversations with Shannon, uh, Shannon Gus about international uh i would like to see it and make it happen i guarantee you you could easily scrounge up six to eight american players who would love to play uh, yeah. just you know ship them over to south africa um I, I would love to see also i love the format for south africa it gives me like again it reminds me a little bit of uh older like teenage 
seasons of U.S. Survivor, which are some of my favorite, the format with a few new modern twists here and there. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe cut back if they could on like some of the nominations. I don't love those, but ultimately I, I'm a fan of it. So yeah. I don't know if U.S. is. Jeff doesn't watch like any other shows, and he's considering he's like the brain trust of American Survivor. I don't think he's ever going to be like. I don't know who's selling him on this guy George or Dave or whoever Luke or or any of these. Have South you heard Af- the rumors about forty five? Have you heard the? the I don't What's know how rumor? credible. I don't know how credible this is, but I've heard rumors. I'm on a couple of fan groups and things like that. It's actually getting quite a lot. I don't know how you how you listen to everything <laughs> coming your way because there'll probably be a lot of information coming your way as well. But right. there's a group that I'm in, and it's got some former Survivor players in it. Um, and there is a rumor that's coming out that there is an international Survivor player that is being considered for 45. So I don't hmm. know if it's true. And my thinking immediately is it's like, if this happens, it's probably Nina, right? It has to be Nina. Like Nina. I mean, is an I American... thought Nina is probably. The most, if you asked me to put money on any Australian player to play, I would say probably Nina in the U.S. Yeah, she's got an David easy could. story. David could because David's got U.S. David citizenship could. through his wife. Wife, sorry. Um, if he so wants that's to, a potential. does he I don't even know want if, to? I don't know what David. Why would he dealing. want to? Yeah, like why would he want to? Like he's got everything. More to money. Lose. He's got. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> take take the Sander out. You know, just more money. That's another thing I wish I had seen, and this is I'm still I just re- just finished rewatching Australian Survivor or watching the finale uh, two nights ago. So like, oh man, I really wish Nina could have won. You know, like I'm oh, happy I'm cool. for Liz, but if yeah. I had to pick anyone other than George, I was like, gosh, I really wish George had gone with the Jacuzzi Alliance. Ah, oh, I would have taken that, even if it means that he goes out at fourth. They just got to beat Jerry at Final Four. That's not that hard. And if they don't, yeah. and they vote him out, well, Nina probably went. Does Nina win? Does Nina beat Liz? I think so. Is that what yeah, happens? I think she beats Liz. Yeah. If it's a Nina, Jerry, Liz, I know we're spoiling Australian Survivor for people, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, for people uh, who haven't watched it. Yeah, so apologies for all the Australian Survivor talk. I'm definitely pretty. I'm going to get you on for some Australian <laughs> Survivor talk at some point because I can yeah. I can just tell you've probably... You, have you ever had the opportunity to go on a podcast and talk no, about I've never No, ta- I've never talked about it. I don't I don't think I have. Nothing I'm aware of. Yeah, we definitely have to we have to sort something out and get you on for like maybe a, like a, a season debrief or something on this later sure. season because I can tell you've got a lot of um, things you want to talk about for that. Yeah. Uh, what have we missed on this actual episode? I feel like the only other part maybe is just we continue to see the Franny and also Matt relationship blossoming. They're talking about, you know, mm. doing stuff afterwards. I feel like this season for Matt, he's been very, you know, he's had a lot of confessionals. He's, he's on our screens a lot, but I do feel like it's a journey and him sort of, coming over the breakup of what he just came through and just going through this experience playing the game. I feel like that's the story we're getting from him. Franny seems to be the person for me personally that if one of those two were potentially to go on and win the show, I feel, I can see Franny winning because it seems like right. everything that Franny's looking, she's more strategic where we don't get that from Matt. Matt kind of feels like he would fall on his sword. Kind of similar to like, well, I guess Boston Rob was never going to fall on his sword for Amber, but it could be similar where the Amber to his Boston Rob is the one who actually is the, the one to look out for in this season. I don't know if Rob ever had a, a, a chance to fall on his sword. I feel like he probably no. would if he had to, but mm. uh, he never really had that opportunity. It was more... I'm not sure what it was. I guess yeah, Lex, I think, Lex fell on his sword for Basarab. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, Matt Matt's already won in this game. The prize, her name is Franny. Oh, no. <laughs> except gotta... in this, yeah. Except Franny actually likes her. Or likes him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Franny's on the same tribe as him. That's a huge important part of getting to know people, is being on the same tribe as them before you commit to possibly saying anything else. But it's 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 interesting because Survivor very rarely, you know, we had on this podcast, we had 
um, Mike, obviously, he was a taken man when he went out there. But he kind of spoke about the fact, Mike Turner, that when you're out there, you're not in your best state. Like, you're not smelling good. You're like, he doesn't get how anybody would be interested romantically in each other. So clearly, there's a very strong connection for them to feel this way. But also, they're seeing each other at their worst. Like, they're seeing each other without food. They're seeing each other probably being grumpy in the mornings because, you know, I'm sure you get hangry when you're out there. Mm. Um, you're, you're under severe pressure of people trying to vote you out of the game. So if they can find a way to like each other, I do feel like survivor relationships, as long as it's not the figgy and who the other, I forgot figgy his name. Figtails. Yeah, but as long as it's not Figtails, which it doesn't look like this one is, I feel like it could it could be something that could have legs down the line. And um, I've got to say, I'm shipping I'm shipping this romance. Like, I, I, I'm actually happy we're, we're seeing it. It's one it. of the less cringy ones. I think it might be yeah. one of the only le- non-cringy. It's not that, I don't find it too cringe. Like, uh, this isn't Cole and Jessica, if you remember them. Yeah. You know? That talking, was about their, talking about their virginity status. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> or Figgy and Taylor. Gosh, that was a rough time. Yeah, and you find out that, like, Taylor had, like, a... He uh, like had yeah. got somebody pregnant back home. Even Ozzy and Amanda, that was pretty cringy. Like, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and who, were the, who were the two? Who were the two that were together on Cochran's first season? Um, oh, Keith, and, oh, Keith and Whitney. Whitney and Whitney. Except Whitney was she, with someone else. She like, was, I think she was trying to get divorced, maybe, or or at that point, I don't know. But mm-hmm. yeah, not the best. Yeah. They weren't. They weren't. Just, they weren't very likable, and they weren't. Uh, no, like they we're getting not. like this like sort of Gen Z. Uh, they're super duper fans of the show. They're mm-hmm. adorable. They both kind of like it. They're flirting, but not. And the producer, yeah, the producer showed up and even had a line in the episode, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, you don't see that. You don't I don't know if I've ever seen that. No, I want to bring up this comment because this this reminded me of something that I wanted to talk about, and I almost forgot to talk about it on this podcast. But um, Jay bring up speaking of Mike, unrelated question, but maybe a big reason why Mike lost forty two because he had a poor relationship with Chanel, and she was the first juror, and mm. first jurors are important for winners. And Mike spoke about that. He spoke about the fact that if he could go back, he would have taken Daniel to the merge with him. He wouldn't have betrayed Daniel in that spot because Daniel would have not held it against them going yeah. against them so so uh, that's a really good point but i wanted to talk about for this season carson i'm getting very strong mike turner vibes from him because oh. because Lo- loses carson, at the end final yes final three. Oh. yes the reason i am is because carson seems to be that person that everybody is connecting with and he's making very deep connections with them and he's bonding we see him and Kane in this episode bond as well because of the fact that they're both nerds playing the game. He's kind of a chameleon. He can shift and shape. I like Carson as a kid and as a character, the Tom Holland of the Survivor coming in here, you know, uh, getting his weaves webbed. You know, is that the webs weaved? You know, <laughs> something, as the, like <laughs> something like that. Going to the end of the game. I love love seeing it, but I, I'm very fearful for him that people are going to see. Oh, you know, he's this lovable kid. We get this great connections with him, and then at the end, he stabs them. And they're not going to be able to get over that. So, Brim, can you see some of the parallels between potentially like a Carson and a Mike in the game? Because Mike was actually not a bad player. His biggest flaw was the fact that he created such deep bonds with people before he cut them. You know, I get a little bit of Carson is like a combo of like Omer and Spencer almost from mm-hmm. 42. Omer and then Spencer uh, Bledsoe, where he's mm-hmm. this like young chipper lad who's just uh very excitable and he loves to just talk and do strategy and even when like matthew's complaining about his shoulder and it launches into a carson's like this is really good for my game and he's just like let me explain all the connections i have strategically and i'm like wow carson is 
honestly set up really well. I don't worry about he Carson. Is. I don't think Carson's yeah. going anywhere anytime soon. He looks like he's set up to uh, go deep. But then again, the worry is, is he a Mike Turner? I feel like he could be like an Omer where he's this strategic force, but falls short. I think, yeah, I don't know. I think people are going to kind of catch on to him. We already kind of saw that with Carolyn. Carolyn was kind of on to him. Saying it could like, be the Ryan Ulrich, if you guys remember that guy. I remember him, yeah. Oh, man. I remember 35 was the first season I watched live, and I remember – I think – I just want to say, I think Carson is – I think he's a more capable player than Ryan. I feel like Ryan was very – like, he he was he, he was good strategically. Really early. Yeah, he peaked really early, but he – I don't feel – I feel like Carson is proving that on his own, he can, he can flourish, where Ryan always needed people around him. Yeah, I, think that's I also the think there was, like, a social disconnect with Ryan where – we yeah. saw him get to the end and he was just kind of like the jury was just didn't really care. They liked him as a person, but yeah. they're like, you just didn't really get much from you strategically. You didn't have a strong sense of character or, or your, your story to get here. Wasn't very impressive. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can see that. Um, yeah, I, I'm very interested to see where Carson's story is going to go. Um, we haven't spoken much about Kane. Kane finally finding that person in Kane. the game that he can relate to because he's kind of on an island on his own. And yeah. I've got to say, I, from the moment that I saw him wielding the sword around and nearly breaking the prop, <laughs> I was all in. I was all in on Kane. He's probably my favorite underdog currently in the game. And I really hope he finds his home when they get to the merge with the more nerdy bunch, you know? Yeah. And, and and they, it's, it's interesting. We've got these... We've got this theme between like almost like the cool kids and the non-cool kids playing out this season again. And I feel like that's going to come to a head when we get to the merge. Yeah, I was lumping in. I said like Carson, Carolyn, Jam Jam, Kane. Uh, possibly we get the Franny-Matt combo. But I could see them like meshing with them, that's, even though they're yeah. from another tribe and they've never met. Um, hmm. I'm looking at the group right now of these 12 people and I'm like, I could see those six definitely yeah. sticking together. And they've gotten a lot of screen time and I'm not... I don't know. I'd be happy for it. I'd be cheering for that group if that was to happen versus Danny, Brandon, Lauren, Josh, Jamie, uh, Heidi. You know, it's given, it's given, uh, we'll call him. I like back. Danny in that group, but I feel like Danny is just. I like, like Danny too, but this episode for yeah. me cemented his, where he's yes. likely going to fall come emerge. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't love it. And I'm looking at it like this might be their Achilles heel. And it's Carolyn, yeah. of all people, is the one that they underestimate. And they're like, you haven't really proven yourself yet mm. in challenges. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you guys have no idea what's been going on in Tika. Like, yeah. Carolyn has more than proven herself. And, and I just want to add, Definitely. I just want to add, I can see this happening because we spoke about it last week. I feel like Carson is the glue that kept Yam Yam and Carolyn together. And with him being out, they kind of fractured a little bit. So when yep. they get to a merge situation where Carson is back in the mix, it's going to pull the three of them back together. And now Carson is bringing in a number in Kane um, and they can continue to work from there to get maybe Matt and Franny in as well, because they have to feel like they're kind of on the outs a little bit. Franny didn't get her way when she tried to save Claire in the vote. And Matt ended up, you know, being betrayed by Danny when he found the fake idol. So I feel like there's potential for them to work. And we've seen in the new age of Survivor that people are willing to work in voting blocks. They're willing to jump over to other places. They they won't necessarily stay with the tribe that they were with going into the merge. And they can still find their way to the end of the game in doing that. So um, I'm very excited for it. I think that the, the merge part of the game forward could be very interesting. I wanted to just add on Danny. Love Danny. Love his energy. Love what he's doing in the game. I feel like Danny is like he's from a different era playing Survivor. Like, I mean, he's from that era where if he was to play between season 28 to maybe 40, 
he would have done so well in the game. But playing in this new era of Survivor, I don't know if you fit it completely. You made, me... you made the two goalposts the two seasons where Tony... I was going to point out, 100%, yeah, there's yeah. a very noticeable <laughs> observation there for our Survivor geeks. Uh, 28 and 40, interesting picks. Yeah, he does give off Tony vibes, doesn't he? I also think he kind of... This is going to seem like a, a out-of-left-field comparison, um, and I think he's much better than this per player, but uh, it reminded me when he said to in this episode, when he's sitting there with Brandon and, and uh, Carolyn, and he said, like, you know, the physical guys are the guys who don't tend to do well or they tend to get picked off. I'm like, clearly you've missed the last five or six seasons other than 41 and 42, but it kind of gives me shades of Brad Culpepper in Blood vs. Water, where he's talking about how the John Cochran's of the world do well in Survivor because John Cochran won the last season. But I'm like, yeah. in what world is Boston Rob and Kim and like, I guess Sophie is the only comparable one, Denise, uh, Fabio, like these are not the John Cochran's of Survivor winning the game. Sandra, I'm not. So I'm like, when, yeah. when Danny's like, I'm like, Danny, I don't trust that read whatsoever. And no. uh, not only that, but you're burning like Carolyn, who's like, literally has oranges falling out of her mouth yeah, she's from, so from she's so dumbfounded from 35 to 40 basically that exact archetype won every season right i'm like danny it's, you're it, you literally could be a winner in 35 to 40 like yeah. you might as well have been a winner you that that ship has sailed buddy uh even yeah. gabler i would not say is like we've had three very unique winners now and he they, obviously they haven't seen gabler win so he's only working on 41 and 42 mm -hmm. I think they saw Marianne win. Did they, this cast did see Marianne? I win. believe so. They yeah. did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it just made me laugh. I loved hearing that when they're like, "We're the, we're the, 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 the we're the threats, the physicality. We don't usually win the game." I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't know about that." Like Brad Culpepper, I don't know about that. Mm -hmm. But I'm, let's uh, yeah. let's let's attack this question here. Jay's asking, "Who are you guys' top three players who are set up to do well come the merge time?" Uh, Jake, we we'll start with you. Who who do, who are the three players you'd say oh. keep an eye on? So like for me, easily Carson. Yep. I feel the most, I almost think like when I'm watching next episode, I'm just looking for what Carson does and what car, who, who he works with. I think mm. Carson might be the glue of it all of this next episode. That's my read. He's I, giving I me, he's giving me like, what is Omer going to be doing in 42's merge? He controlled it all. I almost feel like Carson has so many connections and he's set up well. It's almost like a Ratu. web, right? He's got, he's got, he's got Tika. He's got, yeah, it's like a web. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like a little uh, Tom Holland. Yeah, he's he's connecting uh -huh. everyone, bringing them together. He's got Ratu, he's got Tika, and so mm. I wonder what that means for Soka. Um, but that's who I feel like beyond Carson, I'm not sure. So I'm curious to hear who you guys have if you could put top three. Yeah, go, well, Jake, who who would you put in? Would you, I, I'm assuming you would agree Carson is in the top three. Carson well. for sure. Honestly, Carolyn, like, yeah, she. She just has Maybe. a good read on stuff, and I think that kind idol. of she got an idol. I think honestly, Carson wants he's gonna want to bring Carolyn along. He, I think he sees her as his goat. Um, mm. And it could be the wrong read, but yeah. he, he might be thinking because that. I because you know he he wanted to play with with uh, her and Jam Jam. Um, because he said it was more fun but i think it was more so he thinks he could control them more mm. in my opinion but i don't think that's a good read on his part but that doesn't mean he's not set up well right now he's got a lot of connections which is kind of the currency right now yeah ah uh, man i i don't really the third one's hard because i'll tell you what yeah. yam yam for me 
could easily be put in there. We could say, oh, Tika's just going to dominate because they've been getting a lot of airtime. Yam Yam's been getting a lot of airtime, but he's just a big character. So I think he would have always gotten some airtime before the merge and he's attached to Carolyn. So by default, he was going to get some content. The problem that I have with Yam Yam is I don't feel like he's had his ability at this time in the game to stretch his strategic muscle. Like I haven't seen much from him in regards to that. He's always been a part of a vote um, or a plan, but then again, Carolyn kind of outsmarted him in the previous round. So um, I, I don't know if I can put him in my top three at this stage as of yet, even though I did find it very interesting that I felt like the edit wanted us to get behind him when him and Carolyn went up against each other. But that's more of the edit side of things. I want to put at least one person from the other side in this, you know, if we're going into the final, because what happens if, you know, we do see certain things going wrong, but that side do still end up somehow getting over the nerd squad, if we're going to call them that, you know, at the merge. Uh, I do think that someone like Danny could still be in the top three. Yes, he made a mistake here. Yes, he did end up maybe, um, you know, making F Carolyn feel like she's on the outside. But it's not like we haven't seen winners do these kind of things before or make bad calls along the way. And then, you know, Tony's a great example in Kageyama where he sometimes felt like, oh, you know, he didn't do the right thing here. But he was able and good enough to work harder than everybody else to mend bridges and get social games back in place. The thing is, could Heidi be Danny's, you know, Trish in this moment? Because that's really what he needs. He needs that mm. Trish character to help him mend bridges with the likes of a Carolyn moving forward in the game. And we have seen that those two are very close and that they're probably the closest in that alliance together. So I'm still willing, I'm not completely off the Danny train yet. I'll, I'll still throw him in there as a potential wild card in the top three because it could go either way. Yeah, I, I would pick, uh, I think I, I'm looking at the names. I'd say Carson, Danny, and Carolyn. And that's yeah. like one from each tribe, one who I think is like probably doing the best on their tribe. Um, mm -hmm. So I feel like those three doesn't mean we couldn't lose one of them, but I do feel like there's a couple of different, I'm looking at the the layout of these relationships that we've seen. And I feel like there's one or there's only a couple of different paths. I feel like this, this merge is going to go. Uh, and I feel like Carson's really the linchpin i think i'm not sure what soka is going to do exactly but it looks like they want to link up or danny wants to link them up with ratu but with matthew going and carson being so connected with it's like will carson burn carolyn and jam jam or will he pick them up and create something strong out of that that's probably a more winnable than going with danny and brandon and, and, I, Lauren yeah, and, Josh. and I feel like he's going to want to to keep a relationship with Kane, I feel like Kane's kind of going to be hesitant yeah, to exactly. go with. Kane's a number with, with that. Yeah. yeah, with the with 100%. the Tikas. Yeah, yeah. Um, Kane, and then I Kane wonder, does. like, what? It, yeah, and yeah. Kane is aware of it. He literally says in the episode, "I've been the target," and it's like, mm -hmm. oh, he's very self. He very he gets it. Okay, he, yeah. he got the memo. I wasn't hundred yeah. percent sure exactly where he if if he was aware that like he had the numbers against him, and if they lost, he probably is the one who's going home. Yeah. And then I'm like, what's Soka? Soka's the one tribe where I'm like, okay, based on this. Where do Heidi and, and Franny and Matt, do they go with Danny? They had this four against Josh. If Danny wants to bring in Josh, does that push somebody out of the mix? Does Heidi fall out of the mix, fall out of the boat? Do the, do the, does the showman, the flirt man, do they, do they go to the opposite route? Because I feel like they would jive better with the Carolyn Carson uh, Kane side of it all mm -hmm. with the way that they are shown, but we and, don't. And also we I want no to bring idea. up, I want to bring up that, you know, you brought up a point earlier in the podcast where you said that they kind of made Josh aware that he probably was going home. The fact that Carolyn was very open about the fact, oh, you're part of the Meat Boy Alliance over there. You know, I can't work with that. So Josh is going to take that information back to Brandon. 
and to Danny when she get or when he gets into the merge, which means that Carolyn could very easily be that target where they're like, oh, well, she's not going to work with us. We need to target her. I don't think they've got the votes to split it, you know, if the no. others come together. So that could be a danger for them. And plus, Carolyn's got an idol in her possession that no one knows about. So we could see an idol play at the very oh, first it. merge We've episode. I feel like we've been missing those in this modern era. I do think that might yeah. be why Jeff is throwing these idols out there. He wants more idol plays. 41, 42, and 43 have had like, it's been like a desert for the uh, good idol plays. Um, so I wonder yeah. if that's partially what's encouraging him to like idols, fake idols, uh, you know, shot clock idols. It's give them all. They all get, it's like candy on Halloween. <sighs> Isn't it think- ironic? Isn't it ironic how we've gotten to a place now where there's more advantages than ever you know, more things happening in the game, but less plays happening from I all know, these. It's, 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 it's almost like it's counterintuitive what he's doing, throwing so many idols out there because... Because they just hoard them. They just hoard them. They're like, ah, oh, we're not going to... Because there's also the counter-argument where players probably think, well, if I play this willy-nilly, it's going to be back in the game and it could land in someone else's hands. And I don't yeah. want that. I would rather want to know where the advantages are in the game. You know, also, so, I, I think um, I watch... I don't know. Do you guys ever watch... I doubt, I doubt uh, Chris, you watch it, but do you ever watch Big Brother US? I've seen it, yeah, yeah. You've seen it? Um, there's a, a thing, the producers love to rock the boat a lot on that show and try to disrupt the social alliances and all that. Mm. Uh, and then what ends up happening again and again and again is that it creates tighter bonds between people and the gameplay becomes a little bit more stale and, and not as fluid. Uh, it actually solidifies things because they have so much unpredictability and, unst- and instability in the game that they don't know what to expect. So they basically hunker down and create a big, like they call them, we call them onion alliances, but they're just groups of hordes of people that steamroll losing people along the way. And that's kind of what you get when you create so much randomness in games. You can't, the players don't control the what, controllables, the few yes. controllables that you have control it and control it's funny you it, keep that it in because- your pocket. Yeah. It's funny you mention that because I, I was the biggest Big Brother US fan for years. Like, I mean, Dr. Will Kirby is my favorite player of all time of any oh. reality TV show. Well, like, I go. love Dr. Will Kirby. But I've started losing interest in it since all, the second All-Star season. And I haven't really gotten back into oh, Big Brother. Oh, a few years ago then. It's only yeah, a few years, years ago. Okay. okay yeah, okay. So, because, because for me, it just got to the point where it became too predictable in what players do in the game and how they create these big alliances. Did, did you watch the, the last the season? Last year? I, I, I started watching the first couple of episodes for the first couple of weeks. I know who actually won, and I'm so happy for the, the person pl- who won. Because, guess, because okay. where I saw, she got bullied in the do, game do quite you know, a lot. And I got uh, the, first, the first couple of weeks was really rough. Do you know the yeah. journey to get there? Because I'd say that season is like a breath of fresh air for the most part. I'll it go back and watch it. It I've doesn't have the same. Me. A lot of modern Big Brother has the same pitfalls. And I worry that sometimes I, I, I before 41, I was on a podcast. And I think Russell Hans showed up and we were talking about the uh, potential like wackiness that could show up with the new era and what might happen. And I was like, you know, if if I've, I've seen this on Big Brother and what could happen with Survivor is it actually creates less interesting gameplay because people are afraid of getting falling out of the boat and so what they do is they actually do the opposite of creating fast-paced fluid gameplay i don't think that's happened yet on survivor also they can just edit around it if they want to whereas on big brother we usually have the live feed so we can see that it's actually really boring but anyway it's interesting you bring this up because my argument um touching on australian survivor again it's hard not to when you've watched all the australian shows as well but I had a conversation with the winner of Blood Business Water. I won't spoil it for everybody else. And I actually interviewed that person on the channel. And 
they got to the end and people were frustrated that people didn't make a move against them. They won in a very similar fashion in my mind to like a Boston Rob or a Kim Spradlin because yeah. they just had so much hold on the game. But a lot of it was because they were scared to make a move against this person because of non-eliminations and some of these twists coming in and they're like, well, we're scared to make this move because what if this person comes back? So that's where non-eliminations and twists mm -hmm. sometimes can make it so that people actually hold back. And I, I had that confirmed by other players that played in that season that that was the biggest reason they didn't try to flush idols or make moves earlier because they saw big moves being made and those players not going home and then the players who made the big moves ended up worse off because of it and they ended up going home so it kind of scared people from going against the power structure so so yeah. i agree with you sometimes twists sometimes doing too much can actually disincentivize players when it comes to actually playing the game yeah i mean there's also some tricky balancing where i understand jeff when he says like we don't want the players to ever get ahead of us or ahead of the game because then the game gets predictable. And I do agree on some, and especially with Survivor, where it's a little bit simpler in that you just need more numbers on the other side and you can get to the end. If you have four and they have three, well, you can go to the final four. The problem is that there's no such thing as a final four. There's only three people go to the jury. So who's the fourth person on the out? And that's what we see time and again. Um, you don't want people to strictly to stick like with the Kims and the Boston Rob alliances where they have a solid and they just go to the final six, final five, final four. That's boring. You need to shake it up and you better mm -hmm. hope. So like if you throw in Jeff's, I think thinking like if we throw in a lot of advantages, well, sure, this person has an idol, but that the other person has an idol nullifier. And so that creates a back and forth where or they have the knowledge is power where somebody at the bottom can mm -hmm. steal an idol and it allows like you cannot just like Kim had an idol her whole season and it allow it didn't allow the bottom to ultimately topple, you know, change the hierarchy at all. They, well, I guess they sort of tried a little bit. I think but, there's a balance. There's a balance to be found in the game. Like I said earlier. In the yeah, podcast, I don't just, think there's don't, a perfect formula, though. I will say I don't think yeah. there's a perfect formula. I don't give Jeff a, too much flack. I don't love it when the episode is like jam packed with advantages. I think you need, like you said at the beginning, less is more. And I think just give us little bits throughout the throughout the years. Like we're not in a rush to get the inheritance advantage out the door or the knowledge is power or whatever. Like give it to us one season at a time and uh, you, it'll it'll hey. work itself out. It'll create an interesting episode. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, and I love that. I just want to say I love this episode. This was like, I wouldn't say a top 10, but for me in the modern era, this episode yeah. here was one of my favorites I've watched in a long time. I know there are some people on Twitter I've seen that I know that I talk to weekly were giving it like, this could have been an email episode. Uh, and I'm like, send me that email because I will read that email. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I love this. I live for the laughs. I live for the jokes. There's a little bit of strategy. This was like everything I could ask for. It wasn't overloaded with advantages. Um, nobody needs the producers giving out advantages every episode. We don't I agree. I actually yeah. love that we got the sanctuary. It was this unique social twist because what we saw was Jam Jam and Carolyn come back and they compare notes and Jam was like, I don't believe you. Like, she's like, we didn't get anything. He's like, you got something. What did you get? She's like, I did not get anything. I promise you. It was just yeah. hanging out and he's like, you're telling me you went to the island and you just hung out and ate food. That sounds like the lot. That sounds like such a lie. But it's not. It's yeah. actually true, and that's what's so fun about it. Like they're they're expecting it to be not that. Um, Shout out to uh, Survivor South Africa Return of the Outcast that also had a Survivor Sanctuary where people went to go and have a chat. So I feel like it, you know, even though Jeff didn't see it, but there was kind of, no advantages, no ransacking, yeah. just 
a fun yeah. social sit down that is going to foreshadow the merge. And I love that. It's great storytelling. It it's not like, here's random advantages that are going to have no effect on anything except to eat the next few minutes of our time while somebody reads out a piece of paper telling us how it works when we don't even need to know about it. Anyway, that's more frustrations that I could do any episode for the most part. But I love this episode a lot. I, I, I would say it was one of my favorite episodes from the new era, but ultimately it's probably one of my favorites in general. Yeah, so Chris is saying, strong disagree that this was an email episode. This was fun. Let's not hate on episodes of TV. Um, Russell Muscle here in the live saying that um, he's ranking our LED game. Uh, Peridium number one. <laughs> I am lacking I for gonna, sure. Jake, <laughs> are we going to really shame the one guy that's still a student? Come on, Russell. Yeah, <laughs> do I definitely didn't have LEDs back then. So yeah, so don't 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 feel bad. I do. I do. I'm definitely winning the the statue. You uh, do have a statue. I have a is statue. Is that an idol? So. Is that a hidden idol in plain sight? Can I? Could can be. I? Can I? Or can it's a fake it? like, can idol I do the that Adam was planted. <laughs> can I do the Adam Klein reach in there and grab it? Um, no, listen, I think it was a great episode. I mean, obviously some people would not be happy that there isn't an outcome at the end of it, but I felt like in the no, the way that it the way that it worked, it was perfect. We we don't lose three great characters in the game. I actually do still like Josh. I think there's something that he can still I like to Josh emerge. Two episodes yeah. ago, I didn't know anything about this guy. And now yeah, I'm like, I can't not have him on this on the show. I'm so happy it's, he made it. It's so funny because when I saw like, you know, he was getting like no content at all in the first couple episodes, then I'm like, I saw that he, you know, is getting switched onto a tribe uh, by himself. And I'm like, oh, that's why, because he gets swap screwed or mm. twist screwed or whatever. But that's actually not what happened. And I am really, really curious to see how it plays out with like him thinking he was all good on Soka, but that well. is <laughs> not the case. You know, I, I, mean, I, I yeah. It ends with uh, with I love like the ending with Josh where he's like he does the clap, but then he immediately goes back. He's like, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, that was not great. Like, yeah. And then and then they hug and they're like, yeah, we don't have to vote anyone out. And then Carolyn's like, oh, I would have voted you out. He's like, I know. And yeah. it's just... <laughs> <laughs> just wasn't even high to get i know all right we've got one more um order of business here that we need to get into oh, and pretty what we do is we do a draft here on the channel every season mm. jake is the defending champion he had the gabler the ellie gabler in his team last season and won the draft but the draft this season is interesting because we've got a third player kahuna who's also my co-host for australian survivor who will be on the channel from this week forward. We're doing power rankings as a bonus episode every week as well. So Kahuna will be doing power rankings with me and Jake will continue to be on the actual recap and reviews with guests here on the channel. Uh, but Kahuna is killing us at the moment with the amount of players he still has in the game. He's got Carson, Carolyn, and Danny. He, uh, those are the three players we still have in our top three. I know. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he's got a lot. He's, that's a stacked group of five. I, I think I, I'm out. Like I, th it's at least tough. like for the yeah, winner, like Jake, the winner really is rough. gone. It's I think Lauren could still win. I think Lauren's got a very similar Erica um, trajectory uh, at the moment. You know, got a little bit of maybe. content in the beginning. She's disappearing for a while. Uh, she could come Erica. back and be the winner. Chris, you, know, you can't I, count. You know, That's like, true. My saving grace was Matthew. Yeah, he Matthew was, in was such a great spot if it weren't for his freaking shoulder. Yeah. Yeah, he was killing it for you points-wise. But Brandon's actually only one point behind Matthew at this point. And, and it's weird because it feels like we haven't seen much of Brandon, but we really he's still haven't. around. And, and we have seen a backstory for him. I don't know why. Like, we, we know what his backstory is. He's in the a game. renaissance man. Yeah, renaissance man, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, so who knows? You may still have an outside chance, but I, I do feel 
it's going to be tough for you to win. It's going to have to be, yeah. again, one of those who done it type of wins for you if you get one of those players winning at it's, the stage. It's just going to, it's Jamie's going to make it to the end and she's just going to say, hmm. like, I was awesome. I, I would like awesome. to think, I would like to think Peridium, I manifested the whole Matt Franny relationship thing because I picked uh, them without knowing that they were going to, to be back. in a back to back as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but let's look at the points. So, how it works with the uh, draft here, we give one point for confessionals, five points for team challenge wins. Eight points for individual immunity wins when you get to the individual stage. Five points for making the merge. Ten points for a successful advantage play. It would be great to see one of those this season. Uh, five points for a finding an advantage. Uh, minus 0.5 for votes against you. And then the runner-up gets 25 points and the winner gets 50. And there's also bonus categories at the end of the season that we'll get into for most confessionals, individual immunity wins, advantages found, least votes casted against them, and most advantages played. So there is a bit of math that goes into this and how we do the points. Um, at this stage, in last place is myself still. I've been three weeks in a row in last place. I'm on 140 points with my team, 0.5. Um, you are in second place, Jake just ahead of me at 158 and kahuna is killing it at 198 so he is well and truly in the lead at this stage so i feel like it's either you know like you said if, if you're not going to take it, it i feel like there's a lot of pressure on my he's shoulders got, he's to, got to bring our, the, win the top three that we were just talking about he i know it's gonna be tough them. it's gonna be tough so the top point getters so far for this season um you guys wouldn't believe it i almost did it myself but josh at 48 points in total. I guess he did play an advantage in the idol, saved him. So that was 10 points uh, in the previous round. He's had 19 confessionals. He's had three challenge wins so far and two votes casted against him. He is at the moment the highest on our point system uh, at 48. Second is a draw between Matt and Danny, both at 39. And then in third place is Brandon at 38. Mm. So Brandon does still have a little bit of an outside chance there as well. He obviously also played an idol, but that idol um, also saved him early on in the game there as well in that spot. So that is all the points. In fact, now that I see it, I haven't actually added that point to you. You're slightly higher. You're at 168. So that is the point system there. Any thoughts on uh, the draft and how we're doing at Peridium? No, I mean, it makes sense. I, I used to uh, do a draft a while ago before my channel, and um, I ended up having something similar with the point systems and the setup, but no, it looks good. Yeah. Well, I'm really interested to see how the season's going to gonna play out, and um, who knows, maybe in a future season we get you in on it, you know, get, get, your, you know, get you in on some of the yeah, draft absolutely. stuff if you're interested in it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I've done it before. I haven't done it lately. I've just focused on my channel. But uh, yeah, I, I, there's people love Survivor drafts. I remember doing it back in the day. Back this is like the early twenty seasons of US Survivor, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, uh, Peridium, let people know. I mean, obviously, most people that are coming here, they already know your channel. But let them know yeah. what are you up to. What are you? What, what's happening on your channel? Where can they find you? And what are you doing over the next coming weeks? Um, yeah, you can find me on YouTube, uh, P E R I D A M probably on the screen, but either way it's, I'm, I'm mostly just on YouTube. I do tweet occasionally I'll live tweet episodes. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of interesting video topics coming out. One of them I'm breaking down. It's one of the longest videos I've ever made. Maybe the longest without on it on its own. It's almost like over 50 minutes. Uh, it's looking at the survivor iceberg actually, which is like all the behind the scenes stuff, mm. um, that's cool. which that's is really going to, cool. yeah. it's going to have gargoyle Jeff currently on the thumbnail. So that's <laughs> going to be a fun one. Is he, uh, is he at the tip or is he so, like, in I put it on, I put it on. I was thinking he was going to be like in the, like fading, like a phantom looking over it. Yeah. Like it's the whole empire of survivor and the behind the scenes stuff. But then I realized, uh, 
I liked him out in front on the thing because it makes for an amusing thumbnail. And then I was like, the way that he's got his hands, I put, I ended up sticking, currently, I don't know if I'm going to go with it, but he's got Boston Rob's hat in one hand and Rupert's tie-dye shirt in the other <laughs> hand. And it looks like he's holding them over an iceberg. Yeah. And I just thought this is really amusing. I'm just amused by it. So I might just roll with that. That's really good. Have you ever um, thought about doing a, like a, like a, the evolution of Jeff Probst? On, on your you know, channel, like... I don't. I, I have thought about making a video about just Jeff. I haven't yeah. done it, um, but it's a topic. I'm like, yeah, I need to tread lightly though, because I know Jeff is like, that's like poking the guy. The behind... Yeah, he's the biggest <laughs> of them all. Yeah. I don't really, I don't want to rub him the wrong. I'm not interested in that. Like at the end of the day, yeah. so I get it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of. Stuff and listen, I, I just want to, I just want to say once again, Jeff doesn't listen to this podcast. Definitely, he's not going to get into this one. But uh, just <laughs> in case not. he does, like. And also for me, when I criticize or I go and, and I'm, I always try and be fair and I try and balance it because I've really enjoyed this podcast. I see the passion he has for the show. It is because I want the show to be better. It comes from a place of I hope he looks at it as con constructive criticism, not yeah. Jeff, you're this horrible person because I know in his heart, he believes what he's doing for the show at all so times you, is the best thing. You can't really see it very well. There we go. You? But this is oh, generally the look of it. Oh, there you go. He's holding Bostrov's <laughs> hat and uh, oh, Rupert's tie-dye shirt. <laughs> It's so Be much sure fun. to look out for that. Be sure to look out for that. I've been making channel. thumbnails for the past two days. It's it's like it's like the highlight of the whole video. It's just making yeah. the uh, cover art. I, um, I've always liked your your thumbnails. Personally. I I love. I put a lot of hours into them. They're honestly, it's like uh, it's it's a it's a little art project for me. So finding yeah. out unique ways to uh, flare them. Creative up. outlet. Yeah, a little bit. But yeah, certain. New, I put out a new video every Wednesday, and that's where I'm at. Every single Wednesday, a new a new video. Great. Well, go check out if for any reason you didn't know that Peridium existed, which I'd be very shocked. Go check it out on YouTube um, under Peridium. He's got great content out there. Um, and also, please consider subscribing to this channel. We're on our way to 2,000 subscribers. Uh, so, you know, modest beginnings. But we've been doing so well with the Australian season. We've had a lot of people uh, show additional interest in the channel. So if you are sort of been hanging around, you've been listening to this quite a lot, but you've been unsure and you haven't been willing to commit, I hope that today is the day that we've earned your subscription uh, by clicking on the subscribe button put a like on it hit the notification bell so you can know when we go live next we still have some great guests coming up in the coming weeks as well i've spoken to mike gabler i've spoken to nasir i've spoken to the likes of uh snuffed snuff might be coming back and doing a channel because he hasn't actually done anything in over a year but we might have him on the channel as well as well as russell muscle and flim masters who were in the group chat today as well uh we'll all be guests within the season so uh please look out for that but for now guys grab your torches head back to camp we'll catch you guys next time Bye.